another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. The Reflections of the Beast, yeah. version 4, volume 4, episode four, 4. Episode 4. How you doing, Nesbitt? I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah, it's fun going through these albums. It is. It is fun, I gotta say. So we're halfway through what we've been calling the No Adrian Era. Yes. Because you know how people... That's one of the things in the podcast that we really drove home is... A lot of people are kind of like, there's the, the Paul era, the Bruce era, then the Blaze era, and then the Bruce era again. Yes. But we kind of throw No Prayer, Fear of the Dark, and the two Blaze albums into this four-album period of the No Adrian period. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's more of the difference rather than the actual singers. Exactly. And the interesting connection there being that Blaze and Adrian never got to work together. That's true. Yeah. Who knows what would have happened. Buddy, let's do a beer. This is the Boomstick Brewing Company Bitter Bird Extra Special Bitter. Extra Special Bitter Bird. I like that. So this is the uh, west coast of Newfoundland, the west coast of our province. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right. Do you know I'm not a ESB fan here in uh in canada because you know my manchester roots yeah um bitters were real they have actual bitters you know real good bitters and um the esb is a special beer over there here it just it never has any flavor this one does till now hot dang it (laughs) (laughs) no No, i think this is a very very good uh bitter it's good but the manchester I used to wax on the early days of the podcast about the Northern Ale Protection Society. Yes, because when we were in, yeah. uh, when me and you went to Manchester to see Maiden, yeah, we drank a lot of uh, bitters. That's well, not bad, but uh, I don't know. And I love that name, Bitter Bird. <laughs> yeah, Jilted Lover. <laughs> so we're just going through the discography now. Yes. We already went into these albums in depth in you know past episodes. This is just kind of a like a reflection or a recap on all these albums and kind of how our opinions changed while we were covering them in a lead up to our big album ranking episode. Absolutely. Just kind of refresh ourselves before we do our final Exactly. Review. Yeah. Yeah. So first album, The X Factor from 1995. September 2018 is when we covered these episodes 43, 44, 45, and 46. That long ago? A while ago, yep. Really? So, this was around the point at which you started to convince me that Blaze was, like, legit. That's right, because this whole podcast started as a fight between me and you at my cabin about whether Blaze Bailey's actually Maiden. Remember, you're like, that's not even on Maiden. And we're like, I was like, it's good. you got to give it a chance. Yeah, which is is patently ridiculous now that I that I look back on it. I just didn't listen to it, and I was just like, ugh, yeah. wait till Bruce comes back. You know, this kind of blows. Even though, you know, when Paul was singing, I never did that. But these two albums, I was just like, ugh. Yeah, and that's my whole thing with the Blaze era, is like, you don't have to like it, but at least give it a chance, because there's a lot of good music in there, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, we basically sat around my wood stove drinking and fighting about Blaze Bailey. And when we were done, we were like... This would have been a good podcast. We should have recorded this. And that was kind of where the idea for the podcast came yeah, from. I know. But this is a typical Nesbitt friendship thing for all you guys who are out there. I could have just conceded the argument. Instead, I had to go through a journey of 130 podcasts <laughs> <laughs> to, to explain. I could have, I'm so stubborn. But at the same time, like you're not going to win a music argument with Nesbitt. At best, at best, you can wrestle him to a draw. <laughs> so the X Factor, you know, entering the Blaze era. First album with no Martin Birch, too. Mm. And the main thing I took away from this album when we talked about it was how dark this album is. Like, the songs are dark. The lyrics are bleak and dark. You know what I mean? Steve Harris was in a dark place, and this album kind of showed it. Yeah, it really reflected in that. Yeah, that was one of the big things that came out when we reviewed it. It's A lot of people don't realize that, and it's, it's mostly because you get so fixated on the fact that it's a different singer that you don't think about the tone of the album. Yeah. And Blaze's you know? voice too is a bit darker. You know what I mean? Where he's like that yeah. lower register. 
And Blaze is a bit more metally in some ways. Like, yeah. you know, it's, Bruce is much more vocal focused in an era when, when, when metal was more about energy and pace than it was about, you know, just pure vocal range. And, and you know, Blaze has just got that kind of... In a lot of ways, he's kind of a throwback to Paul. And I actually consider them in a lot of ways very similar. But he's just a far better singer than Paul. Yeah, Blaze is way better than Paul Diano. Way better. As far as singing in that style that you're kind of accustomed to with Iron Maiden. Hmm. Like when I hear Blaze do Paul Diano era songs, I think Paul does a better job. Yeah. Actually, like all the singers for Iron Maiden have things they excel at. That's true. Um, like Paul really has that kind of early Maiden delivery that none of the other singers have been able to, I think, capture since. Well, I mean, you wonder, like, I mean, how how's Blaze going to sing, you know, Phantom of the Opera or, you know, Number of the Beast with passion compared to Sign of the Cross? Yeah, and that's part of what makes Maiden so great is you have these phases of Maiden and the singers kind of influence kind of the feel and the sound of Maiden. So you just mentioned Sign of the Cross, uh, the opening track to The X Factor. I think this is one of Maiden's best opening tracks. It's an excellent song. Love Sign of the Cross. And we debated over whether we'd take Bruce or Blaze on this one. Yeah, I'm going I'm going full in on Bruce now because of the Legacy of the Beast tour. I don't know, man. When you hear Blaze singing this live, when you hear live clips of Blaze yeah. doing this, like he does just as good a job. Yeah, as but as I never does. saw it. Bruce do this many times and it blew you away live and I've never seen Blaze do this live either but I don't know there's something of the power of Blaze's voice that does it for me on this track I think Bruce and Blaze's versions of Sign of the Cross are both 10 out of 10s so it's a toss-up but I just love something about Blaze singing this I don't know what it is yeah ah. they're both excellent though. I don't know I I kind of I love the way this is very much a, a, a Blaze song, and we've had this debate, but I love the way Bruce does it now. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I could go either way. Lord of the Flies for me, one of the best. That's far more Blaze song for me. Lord of the Flies is one of the best songs on this album, I think. Although, you know what? Between Sign of the Cross and yeah. Lord of the Flies, I think I like Bruce's version of Lord of the Flies more than I like Bruce doing Sign of the Cross. Yeah. When Bruce covers Lord of the Flies... He sings it a little differently, and it, I think it just comes off really great. I don't know, I'm probably coming off as like a huge hypocrite because sometimes I'm saying I like Bruce's version better, sometimes Blaze's ver version. I think it just is a testament to how awesome both versions of both songs are and how great Maiden is that, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's you know, opinion. I just, I, I just witnessed Bruce sing the sign of the cross five times and destroying. He does destroy, <laughs> yeah, he kills that you song know? and he sings a lot. And, and the vocal carry in the chorus is so, so amazing. It fits him perfectly, even though Blaze does an amazing job at it, but I don't want to. I don't want to make this album coverage about Bruce versus Blaze. Yeah, it was a bit of a tangent, but 
I mean, it just so happened that the first two songs on this album were, you know, redone live by Bruce. The third song, Man on the Edge. So, we look, we haven't even ranked those first two. We both love them. They're both pretty well yeah, tended. So we're, we'll just stick to the album versions. Yeah. Sign of the Cross and Lord of the Flies. I love both of those songs. Two amazing tracks. Yeah. Man on the Edge, also awesome and completely a Blaze track. I think Blaze, Blaze wrote this, didn't he? Or was one of the um, This actually dates back to Gannick when he was in White Spirit. They did a demo of a song, um, yeah. and it okay. kind of got turned into Man on the Edge. So that's uh that's Gannick when he was in his old band White Spirit. So that's where that song oh, okay. came. Okay, I always thought Blaze. Yeah, but the lyrics are from Blaze. Yeah. Okay, that's the connection. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, the riff, this is another yeah. excellent track. I agree, Man on the Edge. Like people kind of downplay the X Factor as far as being a good album, but I mean, Sign of the Cross, Lord of the Flies, and Man on the Edge. Those first three tracks are just great. Fortunes of War. Where are you at on this now? I really like Fortune's War. It's not a classic. Um, it's kind of, you know, a slow, plodding kind of prog rock, like progressive song, dark lyrics. And, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that suits Blaze's voice perfectly. Um, and, I mean, you get a bit of the Maiden Gallop in there. Fortune's It's a decent song. I don't think it's a classic. The chorus is kind of weak. It's kind of repetitive. I don't know. Yeah, um, Fortunes of War, for me, should be that epic fourth track. But I find it falls a little short. I always did. Hasn't changed. What are your thoughts? The thing is with a lot of these songs is this is the album where they kind of get into that uh, that kind of progressive style. It's It's kind of like a template that they get for these songs where... It starts with this mellow intro and then a build and a kick in, you know what I mean? And then the vocals. Like they did it afterwards, they did it on Brave New World, Dance of Death, Final Frontier, Matter of Life and Death, Book of Souls. It's such a part of the maiden sound now. But on this album, I guess I guess this would have sounded very new and very different for Maiden at the time. But when you go back and listen now, it's the sound song structures don't sound that different. But a lot of these songs are kind of long and slow with that build. Yeah. And they kind of get lost amongst each other, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I think when this album first came out, this kind of song structure would have been very different for Maiden. I don't know. I'm 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 just not sold on this track. I find it's an epic. It just doesn't really hold up as a Maiden epic for me. I think I agree. I would agree with that. It it's it's trying to be an epic in length, but it doesn't it doesn't hit home with the power of like a lot of the maiden epics. Now we move on. Look for the truth. Track five X factor. Um, yeah. I, this one always sticks with me. I love the lyrics. Like it's a bit cheesy. Uh, look for the truth. Deepest cut out of all of, from you. You know, it's like, I just love that, you know, knife of the truth, blade of hatred slicing through like, Yeah, I think this is a very solid track, too. Well, I thought the last track was solid, too. This is solid. It has a very cool uh, solo by Yannick. I think Yannick's playing with a slide. (laughs) 
first half of that's Yannick and the second half's Dave Murray. But uh, it's a cool solo. And I think it's a very solid track too. Like there's a lot of tracks on here that I would describe as like solid. Yeah. But I don't know if they're like standouts. You know what I mean? In the Maiden catalog. But it's a very solid album and solid. It's track after track of what I think are very, very good songs. But I don't know if they hit greatness very often on this album. Until you hit the aftermath, yeah. which I think is one of the best songs on this album. Yeah, this is one of your favorite Blaze songs. Yeah. It's Maiden doing a war song again. Um, I think Blaze's delivery of the lyrics on this song is just great. Lyrics written by Blaze, too. There's some really cool like war lyrics in here. Once a plowman hitched his team, here he sowed his little dream. Now bodies, arms, and legs are strewn where mustard gas and barbed wire bloom. Um, that's very cool. Reminds me of Passchendaele. Once a plowman hitched his team, here he sold his little dream. Bonnie's arms and legs are strewn where mustard gas and barbed wire bloom. Each moment's like a year, I've nothing left inside for tears. I'm raged dead or dying like I'm left alone. It's one of my favorite songs on this album. I find it lacks a bit of energy. I mean, some of the, like, you know, after the war, all that, like, I don't know. There's just something about it. I, I, I get what you like about it in a, to a point. I just, I don't know. I find that the, the back half of this album, this exemplifies it. It's just this, like, very interesting vocal hooks, but not much more. Yeah, I can see what you mean by, you know, lacking energy. It is kind of a slow plodding song, but I don't know. I like it. It's dark, but it's different for me, and I like it. And that's the thing with this album is, like, you either like it or you don't. You either buy into the Blaze sound or you don't. I mean, I happen to love this whole kind of dark Maiden. as like It's a really unique album that you can go to when you're not in the mood for the other Maiden. Or maybe you're kind of, like, power-slaved and peace-minded out, and you want something different. And this album's there. It's pretty cool. Judgment of Heaven? It's another one with super dark lyrics. Good track. You know what I mean? Yeah, not so excited by that theme. I'm not so in love with it. Probably the most depressing lyrics on an Iron Maiden song. You think so? It's like, I've been depressed so long, it's hard to remember when I was happy, I've felt like suicide a dozen times or more. I know. You know what I mean? That's one of those where when Harris read it out in the writing session, they were all like, uh, dudes, you know, (laughs) what do we do here? I don't know. It, It builds and builds the song, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it starts off really mellow, and it builds, and then by the time it gets to the chorus... It doesn't feel so dark anymore. And I really like the melody of the chorus. I love, you know, there's some real enthusiasm from Blaze's singing. There's a great solo on there, really energetic. And there's some cool, like, instrumental parts. It's one of those Maiden songs, and they do this a lot in, like, the later Maiden, where it's not quite a guitar solo. It's kind of like an orchestrated part of, like, instrumental guitars playing together. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a... It's an instrumental part, but I wouldn't call it a solo. And they do this a lot after this album, but this is kind of where it really starts taking hold on this album. Yeah, absolutely. This is that whole dark run here now. Aftermath, Judgment of Heaven, and Blood on the World Hand, Blood yeah. on the World's Hands, and Edge of Darkness. Like this is all incredibly dark. It's if true. you read any of this, right? Blood on the World's Hands. Blood on the like, World's Hands is a really strange song. Yeah. It has cheesy. a weird intro. Yeah. It's these weird bass harmonics and weird bass runs. I don't know. It, it, it's a cool song. It's kind of unique. It's heavy. It, it's a good track, Blood on the Wood's Hands. It's just so repetitive. Every time I hear it, I just think of the chorus. 
Um, the Edge of Darkness, though, that was about the Heart of Darkness, wasn't it? The final track. Apocalypse Now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is probably one of my favorite movies. Yeah, uh, Amazing. So that whole back end of this album is so dark. Yeah, and then you get into 2 a.m. I mean, yeah. I don't know. That's a, another super dark song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that like, was a Yannick song, wasn't it? Blaze and Yannick and Steve Harris, I think. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's just, it's just like... I don't know. It's it, as 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 I reflect on it now. I mean, just the back half of this is just so dark, which is fine if you're into that theme. If you like it, the tracks are solid. Um, some awesome, awesome vocals here by by uh, Blaze the whole way through. Like yeah. specifically the aftermath, Judgment of Heaven, Blood on the World's Hands. Awesome. Edge of Darkness. He's really good in that as well. Um, there's some some cheesy <laughs> lyrics in there, but it's it's still um still pretty good yeah you know i don't know i i i like this album like i put it up there i yeah. really like this yeah. factor too yeah yeah this now r- when i do my rankings you'll see where i put it mm. i think i was kind of being a bit of a pulling really hard for it because it's an underdog album yeah and i think when i do my rankings i'm not going to i'm gonna try to eliminate this underdog factor where i'm you know what i mean you're totally. picking up for it because other people don't like it i'm trying to be objective and just you know, base it on the songs. But it is it is a really dark album, and it's weird. Like, I feel like even just us talking about it, like, our conversation is kind of, like, not the usual Iron Maiden conversation we have. It's kind of, like, dragged down by this, like, dark yeah. darkness of this album or something. But uh, I really like The X Factor, and I listen to The X Factor a lot. It's It's a very unique Iron Maiden album. And when I'm in the mood for that kind of maiden, I go straight to it. Totally. I put it up there. I, I rank it in my mind in the way I think about it like I think about Killers. In the sense that Killers has that Paul rumble and that, like, pacing. And this one's got that, like, blaze pacing and it's just different. Like, this album is unique. Like, Virtual Eleven isn't even like it that much. There's There's some overlap. But just like Killers has overlap with Iron Maiden. There's this, like, unique sound here. And, and it's not so much like a sound as in like, you know, a tuning or a synth or something else. Like there's just, it's, it's blaze, it's dark, it's got this like, you know, really interesting feel, just like how fun Killers has. So they're, they're different. I mean, both X Factor and Killers could in a way have been done by different bands, almost in a sense, you know, even though they fit as Maiden. I just find it, it feels really different. And that's what I like about it. Yeah, there's a bunch of people who like... You know, a lot of Maiden fans don't have any time for this album or this whole phase. But, like, if if you can get past... Okay, there's a lot of things you have to, like, accept to like this album. It switches to the kind of prog rock style of songwriting. It's dark. It's a new singer. It's a new producer. It's just a completely different Maiden here. And if you can accept that, I mean, it's a, it's a solid album. Yeah, this could be arguably one of the most cohesive. Yeah, true. You could argue that. I mean, no Adrian as well. A dark Harris, like different place. He even said multiple times, this is probably his weirdest album for Headspace. Yeah. I know Steve Harris really likes this album. One thing I'm not a fan of on this album, the cover art. Garbage. Yeah, I guess they were trying something different. You know, different singer, different everything. It's a break with the old maiden. I don't know. Not a fan. Um... It's just weird how over the last couple of years of talking about this album and talking about Maiden and talking about the discography, this album, I think, it's kind of fallen for me a bit. Yeah. And it's funny because when we started this podcast, The X Factor was probably in my top five or six albums. Yeah, but that's why we covered it really early. Because you were like, we got to get to X Factor because it's going to be fun. And, you know, and uh, that was part of it. We we did that. Then we had Blaze on. He was awesome. Yeah. Then we did Silicon Messiah, and that was amazing. I've always liked that. We did a, a cover of the trilogy, at least high level. Yep. And, you know, Virtual Eleven wasn't exciting. I know. We kind of butted heads on Virtual Eleven. Um, it's not one of my favorite albums, but I think I liked it a lot better than you did. I don't think it's crap. <laughs> know, let's get into Virtual Eleven now. This will be fun. Um, Virtual Eleven, um, maybe a step up as far as cover art goes. Mm. Where I think it is a little bit cheesy. I don't mind this Eddie. And it does feel like Eddie again after the last one kind of seems like a kind of this grotesque, realistic looking Eddie. 
It feels like Eddie again, even though it looks very different from the other Eddies. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. But that's the only improvement. Yeah. It's a step up. It's still yeah. one of my least favorite Iron Maiden album covers. This album, in hindsight, oh, you know, this is probably one of my least favorites, right? I mean, I hated this. I still don't like yeah, it. Yeah, I remember you I think really didn't like this when we did it. And, and not only that, like... They left a lot of good stuff on the table that they used in Brave New World, which, you know, obviously worked out. But makes you wonder what the decision criteria was here. What I always said about this album is there's a few missteps here and there. But the main problem with this album is yeah, just that the songs are stretched out way too long. A lot of these songs are decent ideas that they stretch out. Yeah. And, like, a bad choice of lead single in the angel and the gambler, which I think yeah. the angel and the gambler, if you stripped the keyboards out and stripped a lot of the repetition out, this would be a pretty solid three and a half minute yes. Iron Maiden single. You know what I mean? Like one of those rockers to open an album with. And and you think about it, there's like eight tracks. Many of them are very long and they left a lot on the cutting room floor. Well, they didn't cut it. They, they used it for Brave New World. It makes you think if they had to tighten some of these up. Like, getting in the tracks. Future Real, legit awesome. I think we agree with that. Future Real is really good. Yeah, Future Real is a great track. One of the best Blaze tracks and a great album opener. I get an impossible. I feel the I've got to say that I'm scared. I know they're Even so, I'm prepared. Can you believe what you hear? Can you believe what you see? Can you believe what you feel? Can you believe what is real? Future real? What is real? Yeah, future real is great. You know, Steve Harris and Blaze Bailey come up with that, you know, for an album opener. And then you're into track number two, The Angel and the Gambler, which is a weird choice of a single to come out, you know, for this album. Almost 10 minutes. I know. Feels like two hours. It's way too long. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they hear those keyboards, it's very off-putting. So, yeah, those keyboards, man. And it's not the... It's not the fact that there's keyboards, it's the the tone and the like that they're there are really weird sounding keyboards and it just it's very off putting, like I said. I think it threw a lot of people when they heard that for the first time. And you never got them back. So that's your first problem. And then your second problem is the repetition. The song is so repetitive. Hmm. The song I think is kind of designed to be broken down, like they have this breakdown when they do it live for audience participation, which is fine. But you don't put that on the recorded version that goes on the album. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, this should have been three and a half, four minutes long. But they leave this big part in the middle, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Do you think if you remove those ding, 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 ding keyboards, Nesbitt, do you think, do you think you could save this song? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Come on. I think this you could horrible. save this song. <laughs> but we spent, I think we spent a whole you know, episode talking about this song. So let's get to the next track as soon as possible. Yes. Yeah, Lightning Strikes Twice. Um, I thought it was pretty, it's an okay song. I found the words to be a little awkward the way Blaze sings them, but like it's a Dave Murray track. Uh, really great Dave Murray solo on this one. Yeah, Dave's solo is great. Yannick has a good solo, too. I think probably the best things about this song are the solos. Yeah, Lightning doesn't strike at all. It's uh, it's boring, and it comes after Angel and the Gambler, and it sucks that this is the lead into The Klansman. Yeah, I didn't mind the song the way you did. Um, I, you know, it gets a pass from me. It's, it's not a classic by any means. Um, but then it leads into by far the best song on this album, The Klansman. I would say it's definitely the best. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I don't want to get it's too deep t- into this because we spent a lot of time talking about the Klansman, almost a full episode. 
Uh, the solos on it are awesome. The sing-along parts. It's just great. Is it the best? It's a real toss-up between this and Educated Fool. It's a toss-up. It's a total toss-up. You laugh, but I love Educated Fool. I know you do. Because <laughs> you're an Educated Fool. That's the hilarious part. Well, then, okay. Then don't look through the eyes of a stranger. But so, Clansmen, we're not going to go over that because we've been through this yeah. time. But When Two Worlds Collide. I love oh, that was de- When Two Worlds Collide. Declination. Oh, yes, I remember. You, uh... Check the declination. You didn't like those words, but... Like, I think maybe my second favorite song on this album after The Klansman is when... No, my third favorite after yeah. The Klansman and Educated Fool is When Two Worlds Collide. Yeah, but I, I'm a total hypocrite. I mean, when dinosaurs when dinosaurs roam the earth, or like down to Davy Jones, I love both of those because I like the song. I do not like this song. Is, so I just don't like because the, of the, the declination. Is that no, that's not why. That's just something oh, just I highlight like to make fun of it. I think this is it's, yeah. it's very it's a unique song. I don't know. I like the song. I think it's a, a really solid Maiden song. It has some kind of cool guitar parts in there. I don't know. It's one of the few songs that I used to play on guitar, like put it on the album and play along to. Yeah, I, I like it. And then the Educated Fool, which is my second favorite song off this album. Really? Yeah, I love the song. I love this chorus. Behind Klansman and Future Real. I put this ahead of Future Real. Yeah, you may be educated, Nesbitt, but you are <laughs> a fool. I love this chorus. I really, really love the song. And I think Bruce would do a great version of this if they brought this one back. But fortunately, they won't because <laughs> they have a, a discography full of good songs. <laughs> you know? Then you're in a Don't Look to the Eyes of a Stranger, which is. Yawn. This is an example of a song that is not. It's not a str- very strong idea. Mm. And they took that not very strong idea and stretched it out to over eight minutes and i'm like oh man and we said like the drumming remember the double time part in the middle like yeah it sounds like nico doesn't even want to be playing this And then it has that really weird what? ending where they s- bring back the chorus really quick. And they, it's kind of off time with the, with the drums. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a solid song. Don't look to the eyes of a stranger. Better off, don't listen to the ears of a stranger. Because... This is not a song to get people uh, attached to me and all. It's garbage. Yeah. Not garbage, but I just... Uh, well, they only played it four and... times at the beginning of the tour, and then they dropped it. And, like, if you... Yeah. We played a bootleg. If you go back and listen to uh, these episodes, we played a clip of them playing it live in France, and it does not come off very well. It doesn't... Yeah, it's just... I think it's just a weak song. Mm. Filler. Bloat. Bloat. <laughs> I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast. Possibly the best podcast in the world. Como estas amigos? I really, really like this song, but 
I don't know. I think it's more of a Blaze solo track. Yeah. Because I've heard Blaze do the solo and it's great. I don't know. Yeah. It's I like it, but I expect more out of a Iron Maiden a closing song on an album. You know what I mean? That yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, I usually expect good music. <laughs> you don't like it at all, eh? I don't. I I hate the back end of this album completely. I actually only like Klansmen and basically Future Real, and the rest of it to me is just like ugh. it's 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 painful to get through this album. Yeah. It's it's you it's know? near the bottom for me, but you I do love it a yeah. lot more than you. In fact, I think almost all this album I like. I like it a lot more than Fear of the Dark. I'm not saying something. You would, <laughs> you educated fool. After Virtual Eleven, we got into Brave New World, and we just covered that, so I don't want to dig too far into it. But you know, it's yeah. I hate this album. Yeah. <laughs> hate it, man. It's just garbage. Now, great album. Yeah, beginning of the Kevin Shirley era of Iron Maiden. The 12th album Absolutely. in 2000. It's the reunion album. You know, Blaze is out, Bruce is back. Uh, episodes 120 to 126. We spent seven it's, episodes on this one. In many ways, it's the most impressive Iron Maiden album because it's, you know, like you step up to the plate. I think I used this analogy when we were doing it, but they had to do well in this album. And they, man, did they ever. And, you know, we talk about Blaze and, you know, the, I, I hated that last album. But there's a lot of jams that, that, that Blaze could have done good with here. And he kind of got shortchanged there. But it's not bad that they put a few jams in the hopper for Bruce's return and Adrian's return. Well, Adrian comes back and he drops the Wicker Man. And, I mean, you're like, Adrian's back. Here's your, you're back to your, like, catchy, awesome songs written around a killer guitar riff. You know, we did a full episode right. on the Wicker Man. That's how much we loved it. Yeah, this is probably more important album than even like the Number of the Beast in terms of the transition of the band. Maybe like it's so. I mean, this is the album know? I think that catapulted them up bigger than they've ever been ever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I was amazed at some of the reviews we read. I just don't understand that this is not considered one of the best metal albums of all time. Just because of the the timing and the return, like you remember when so many of our amazing bands that we loved in the '90s released albums in the mid 2000s, and some of them were good, and they, but they were good, but people were like, "Oh my God, they're back!" And you know, um, specifically, I can think of like Soundgarden as an example. There was a few Pearl Jam ones that came out. Um, you know, Metallica did it. Um, Guns and Roses, we were talking about a couple episodes ago. They released albums, but they were never near. Their, their mid-90s quality in some ways. This one, to me, like, just... It's just so awesome, and it was so necessary, but I, I, I'm surprised it's not as highly regarded in Maiden's fans' minds as it should yeah, be. Yeah, the stakes were really high for this album, and they really Huge. delivered on it. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, The Wicker Man, I don't think you could possibly have a better comeback single. Like it's, our album it's in my opener. top favorite, ten awesome. favorite songs. Um, it's, yeah. Me and you both agreed this is one of our all-time favorite Iron Maiden solos. Yeah. That's Adrian at his best. Oh, yeah. And that's Adrian screaming back in, right? Like, first track. Well, we covered all this yeah. when we went through it. I mean, it's awesome. We did seven hours on this album, so. Yeah. So we I don't want to get bogged it. down too far in this, but uh, you can go back and listen. Ghost of the Navigator. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Brave New World. Awesome. Blood Brothers. To me, iconic. Probably defines. Like, it's one of those songs that for 
the maiden collective, the maiden brethren, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's like one of our anthems. Yeah, that's that's a good name for it. And you know, because yeah, blood brothers. And it came great. just so well, not that recently, but I mean, twenty years ago. Yeah, we get this anthem, but it's like. It's like wasted years. It sums everything up, right? Yeah. Like when Blood Brothers comes on, everyone's looking around. They're not like, oh, this is a song about Blood Brothers. Like they're looking around like, you know, we're all Maiden fans. Like if you're ever going to a Maiden show, you know, we I was out for beer the other other night and I saw someone in a Maiden shirt and I walked by and just said, hey, man, nice shirt. And he said, oh, <laughs> yeah. deadly. And, uh, you know, we are, this is a brotherhood, you know? Yeah. It's a weird religion we're in. We It's funny when we talk about Blood Brothers because I had the... From the Wildest Dreams DVD single, there's the mm. rock mix, which has all the keyboard kind of strings and orchestra orchestration pulled out. Mm. And that version of Blood Brothers is like my go-to version of Blood Brothers. So I had that clip where I played the regular mix versus the rock mix. And I mean, the difference is completely, it's completely noticeable. And it's, it gives the song a very different feel. I don't know if I like the rock mix more just because it's different. It's just cool hearing a different version of a song that you've heard so many times. And I don't know, something about stripping away all that orchestra makes the song hit home more to me. Absolutely. You know, and uh, nowadays with the COVID, everyone's in their bubbles. Yeah. You know, we're bubble brothers, (laughs) right? Bubble brothers. The mercenary, underrated. We yes, talked about underrated. the lyrics and how that is. Pr- we thought it was about the Predator, the movie The Predator. Dream of Mirrors, excellent. Oh yeah, the, and that's that's one of my favorite clips I've ever played. Is our compilation of Bruce wondering if things are real or a dream. Have you ever felt the future is the past, but you don't know how? I would like to dream of a captured town.
just fantasy. I love it. It's a it's a classic thing that Bruce does all the time. <laughs> yeah. Fallen Angel, another underrated, underrated yeah. track. Yeah. Yeah. Very heavy. That Nomad. Song. You know what? I never really thought about it, but the Fallen Angel, it kind of reminds me of Montsegur. It's that heavy kind of driving riff. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I love the Fallen Angel. Very underrated. Very and underrated. then Nomad. Yeah. Let's not mention the lawsuit. Let's just talk about how uh, how that's a, how an great epic. It is. It's great. Yeah. And then Out of the Silent Planet, which I think is an awesome choice for a single. Also underrated. Yes. Maybe this could be one of Iron Maiden's most catchy choruses. Out of the silent planet, dreams of desolation. love that song i love the crushed by equilibrium and then wrapping it up with thin line between love and hate i mean we don't want to go through this too quick but we just did seven episodes on it yeah is there a weak track on this there isn't there isn't one weak track there is not one weak track thin thin line i think might be dave murray's best song five solos all by dave murray and also this this killer vocal delivery by bruce Amazing closer. At the time, I was saying it was maybe the best song on the album, but I mean, that just shows how strong this album is that I can't figure out what the best song is. It's great. Oh, there's no way to know. A few albums have really moved when we covered them. Yep. X Factor, we we talked about, uh, bounced up. Dance, which we'll talk about next, that one bounced up. Somewhere in Time, ironically, which I always placed high, but just went to like new levels when I covered it. Yeah, me too. When we covered it. This one I always had up there. When we covered this in seven, like I was in the middle of these being like, this is the best album of all time. Yeah. Like I was, I was feeling that now I'm, I'm probably not going to put them there, but they're going to be high. It is funny. We did uh, brave new world. I feel like we could have done a few more hours on that. Cause there's times when I was like, okay, let's get on to the next song. That's right. uh, That album's so great. Not that, the length of time we spend talking about albums has to do with how much we like them. It's just, we get sucked into these albums, like, and especially later episodes. Cause I know we were kind of, well, let's get on to the next album, which is dance of death. So oh. dance of death. I remember when we started doing that, we were like, how many yeah. episodes can we do this? And like, remember we were kind of worried about stretching these albums over multiple episodes. And if people would lose interest, yeah. Which yeah. is kind of funny thinking yeah. about we just did seven albums. You were worried. I didn't <laughs> really <true>. care. <laughs> you were like, ah, oh, should we do one or two or three? I was like, let's get drunk and talk about Maiden. And <laughs> people listen, that's their own problem. <laughs> but this was one of the first albums we did. So Dance to Death was episode yeah. 11 and 12. We did it in two episodes. Wow. Which seems very short now. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't, like, it's, it's hard enough to, yeah, this, that, I, I, I think now if we did it, it would take at least four or five episodes. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I've been listening to this one a fair bit lately. I, I just, especially in the lead up to this, I didn't have to listen to Brave or the Blaze stuff because, you know, I've, I've given them a good go. I just, I haven't listened to this a ton the last year, but the year before, the year after we did this, I listened to it a, a ton. It was just always in my playlist and then it kind of faded away. I don't know what it was. And... You know, this is a really good album. Yeah, it's great. Really good. It's album. funny because this one yeah. was in my bottom three Maiden albums until we covered it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then it climbed way, way up. I think part of it is yeah. not a huge fan of the title track. And yep. when you when I think of this album, I used to immediately think of the title track. And I think yeah. a big part of it too is the horrible cover art. Yes. So that was that hurts by it. an artist called Terry Patchett. And he did the cover and it just had Eddie and these like monks. And then Rod Smallwood mm-hmm. thought it was really empty and he hired someone to work on it and they kind of added all these like half finished 3D models. And I don't know, Terry Patchett actually when he saw the 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 final product was like don't put my don't put me in the credits. I don't want to have anything to do with this. But the Eddie that he yeah. originally did, that Reaper Eddie, I think is very cool. Yeah, that's a situation where like you you you'd have to be so pissed off if you're the artist. Yeah. Like, imagine, you know, getting a chance to do a Maiden album cover and then taking, like, an early version of a digital edit that's not finished. Yeah. Like, it's it's such it's such rookie nonsense. How did that happen? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just bad communication on their side. I, I bet even if they gave him a day or two to touch it up, he would have been fine. Yeah, but he didn't do any of the 3D stuff. He just did the Eddie and the yeah. Monks. And then they got someone else to add these 3D models. Yeah, remember the baby and yeah, the, all I that mean, nonsense I could go on and on, on picking out advantage. Picking out examples of like mm. bad rendered, badly rendered things on that album cover. It ruins the vinyl, like it really does, because it's just it's so large. Yeah, remember Ugh. we were saying we were hoping when they reissued the vinyl they that they would it. you know maybe strip it, strip all that digital stuff out and just leave the Eddie on the cover, because that would be yeah. much better. Really frustrates me. That's, yeah. This really kills me because you're right. It, it does. It it it, it taints the, the look album, and feel. Yeah. yeah, it does. And even though that's so minor, but like we always talk about how great good cover art is, well, really bad cover art hurts your album. Yeah, you know, it's like you can have the best sauce in the world if it's in a crappy looking bottle with a horrible label. No one wants to eat it. Yeah, right. That's true. You know, like I'll never like I was at the grocery store with my girlfriend. We were like, just yesterday, there was like two soy sauces. And she was like, ah, oh, I want that one. It looks better. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> I was like, it's got a red cap instead of a black cap. And it's like, I was like, well, slightly more expensive, like 30 cents more. I was like, that's probably why you want it. But no, she's like, no, it looks better. I'm like, neither one of these brands either of us have heard of. Um, but like how things are dressed up do, that's the reason we cut our hair and put on nice clothes. You know, you don't go into a job interview looking like a scruff. The, the, literally, the cover art blows. And a lot of times the cover art is your first impression and your first introduction to the album before we've heard a note absolutely think about some iconic albums that stand out in your mind like van halen yeah. like you know the cover art is 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 what you think yeah. about when led you think zeppelin about four album. appetite yes. for destruction we always talk about that because exactly. that's one of my favorite albums yeah. but dark side of the yeah, moon these classic albums yeah because dance of death has really great stuff on it wildest dreams and yeah. raid maker as like a one-two Amazing. opening punch yeah like both of those songs are great, especially Rainmaker. Like Rainmaker is a really, really catchy, you know, rocker. a really cool riff dave murray riff um something about that song is a very uplifting song for an iron maiden song like very uplifting is the way i'd describe it and then you're into no more lies yes which i didn't like before we did these episodes and then when we spent a lot of time talking about it i realized i do really like the song yeah the chorus and the drumming and the flow like while the streams rainmaker great no more lies in Montsegur. Take the album to the next yeah. level. Montsegur, both Montsegur, awesome. yeah, one of the best modern Maiden songs and some of the heaviest riffing. My favorite track on the album, no question. I mean, such mm-hmm. a good track. Yeah, it's actually kind of like remember we we did that uh, recent Bruce album, like Kill Devil Hill. Yes, it's just that that track is so on another level. This song is just it's one of the best Maiden songs. Yeah, and then you get into Dance yeah. of Death. Neither of us are huge fans of this title track. 
I know a lot of no. people love it, but we made that Spinal Tap Stonehenge comparison. And we made it independently. That was yeah, a funny, it's funny. thing. Like, you I, thought I that, people... I thought that. And then we came yeah. together and we both had that. I had a clip made of it, I... yeah. Yeah, I bet people would like listen to that and think we made that up. But that was not. That just happened. Like I was like, diddle, 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 I know diddle, you mentioned you know? Spinal Tap, and I was like, it's funny you say that. I have a clip ready to go, and I dropped it on you, and you couldn't yeah. believe it. This is the clip we're talking about. stands out as one of my favorite things we've ever done on the podcast <laughs> just because that happened and then like we got torched forever over it, which is funny because we basically went into an album which a lot of people didn't like and we came out glowing on it and the, the people who loved the album didn't go you know thanks for giving my favorite album such a good rating they were like how could you not like this one song yeah. you know it's like one of those situations where people are like all right we won the war but we didn't kill every one of their soldiers <laughs> you know what i mean like they weren't like yeah i don't want you to agree that it's a good album i want to win every argument yeah. and uh it was a funny one we've we've had that one hanging around forever even to this day we still get like we still get grief for that yeah. yeah they're like look i didn't agree with you on dance of death but and i've emailed people you guys back are all and right like, listen I still don't yeah. like Dance of Death, but yeah. I agree the solos are really good. It has some great soloing on it. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't like that breakdown part in the middle. I think it's che- it's che- it's a really cheesy good. song. And the dancing yeah, and the good. prancing. Remember the dancing and the prancing. Far too much dancing, not nearly enough prancing. That's great. It's great. Simpsons is so awesome. We really, classics. I think we like mocked that song so much, and people that love that song, they did not take kindly to it. Yeah, I don't like yeah, it. Me man. neither. But also, you know, we're we're it's like not that. I don't like it. I just yeah. I expect more from Maiden, and it seems a bit. It's a bit more cheesy than I'm willing to accept from Maiden. For the song. We're all, we're in the only Irish colony in the world, so we know what it means to be like a an oversold cheesy Celtic crap <laughs> ripoff thing, and that's exactly what this is, right? Like you know, and I just feel like this sounds like it, and I don't like it. Yeah, and and it's funny because that's everybody everybody who loves this album that's one of their favorite songs. Yeah, it's true. And for us, we both love this album and this song. We don't dislike it. But it yeah. just that takes a lot out of the song. I, I think where we criticized it so much that people think that we hate it. I don't hate the song. I just don't like it very much. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. We're we're full of love for all things Maiden. Yeah, Gates of Tomorrow. Yeah, it's all uh, right. Good vocals. It's Catch you kind tune. of filler, kind of. Yeah. And then you got uh, Nico getting a writing credit on New Frontier, which I think is a pretty good song. But all these lead up to maybe the best song on the album passiondale yeah it it's 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 an awesome song um i don't put it up there with montesegura i'll put it behind it yeah and this song also's been a bit played out for me i don't know what it is there's just something about oh, it really? like i i still rank it as a top song but i don't go to to passiondale all the time like there's just certain aspects of it i'm not Passiondale, I think, is just an amazing It's song. really good. Montsegur and Passiondale are both, like, super strong. 
This is those two songs are good examples of when I thought of Dance of Death before we started this podcast. I used to think of the title track. I forgot about Passchendaele. Yeah. I forgot about Monsignor. I, if I really thought about it, they would. I'd remember yeah. them, but like, I didn't associate those songs so strongly with this album. Yeah. But now I do, and that's why this album is like so much higher rated by I me know. now. And then what I think is one of the most underrated songs by Maiden. Face in the Sand, yes. which is, I'm a huge, huge fan of the song. And it's buried on the second half of this album, and it's yeah. forgotten about. A lot of people don't even know the song. Yeah. The build and the intensity of the drums and the Bruce's delivery on the chorus, like, I love Face in the Sand. Yeah. It very Maiden, too. Like, super Maiden-y sounding. Like, I just yeah. love this track. back half here is kind of epic age of innocence same thing carries on good tune not not as good as uh, it's sand. a little fillery age yeah. of innocence i mean yeah. it would have benefited from a stronger course yeah but i mean it's all right i don't mind it i don't skip it when it comes on so yeah that says something but journeyman at the end is just this epic like i love the journeyman i love the flow i love bruce is singing the way it goes through it all and it's like i rate this above passiondale i did at the time and I really still do. Oh, I would never. Yeah. It's funny because I remember I wasn't a big fan of Journeyman when we covered this album. And we got a bunch of emails saying, you know, we were wrong, or specifically I was wrong about Journeyman. And I actually listened to it a bunch more, and I do like it a lot more. I think I like it a lot more now than I did when we covered that album. Yeah. And I think I would talk about it a lot differently now if we redid that album. Um, Mm. It started as an electric track. But then they kind of went acoustic with it. And I remember that was a cool uh, clip that I had where I compared the acoustic and the electric. So I started playing the acoustic version, which is the album version. And then I kind of faded it into the electric version. Often listen to that electric version of Journeyman, and I like it better than the acoustic version. Mm. But uh, I've kind of come around on that since. There's a few songs that I've come around on a lot since yeah. we started doing the podcast. For me, Journeyman, Montesquieu are my two favorites. Montesquieu is my favorite, actually, and Rainmaker. Like I, I love Rainmaker is an amazing yeah. song. It's true. I I like Passchendaele, but I don't know. There's something of a Passchendaele. Maybe it's just the it's I mean, kind of disjointed sounding, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but it's also, it's such one of those epics that it feels, I don't know what it is. I, I like Journeyman, it's a surprise amazement, whereas Passchendaele, it's like this epic track where you expect it to be amazing, and then you listen to it and you go, yeah, it's it's excellent. It's like, you know, 8 out of 10, or a 9 out of 10, or whatever, but it's just like, it's not, I don't know what it is. I, I just, I don't know. I put it up there in that war epic where it's, it's, there's some great stuff. I'm not knocking the track. I, I yeah. love this album. I put it as an excellent. You t- you take that. You take Passionelle. You put it on Virtual Eleven. It's my favorite track, right? I'm just saying on this album. Like there's so much good on this album. Yeah, it's a really really strong album, and that's the main thing that I got out of this podcast when we talked about that album. Mm. Is I always thought of it as one of the weaker albums, and it's not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now, that said, it's not in my top half albums. But then again, you know, the golden era is five albums or six. <laughs> you know, so is it is it one of them? No, but it's close. It's, it's, I don't think it's going to be in my top half. I yeah. don't know. I'm still I'm still leaving myself a little bit of flexibility. People will have to see when the album ranking episode comes out. I think there's going to be some surprises on there, mm. at least when they see my my rankings. All right. So we we covered the Blaze era. We touched back very briefly on Brave New World, um, and of course we went back into Dance to Death very quickly. And we enjoyed a lovely ESB. Yeah, this. Uh... Bitter Bird, the Boomstick Brewing Company. This is a great beer. My problem with it, it's not bitter, though. It's not really bitter. It kind of reminds me of the Trooper. It tastes like Trooper. Do you know what it does? Very it does. similar. Yeah. It does. So next episode, A Matter of Life and Death, Final Frontier, Book of Souls. And yes. then the rankings are going to come up. Then the rankings. And then exactly. that'll be it for this phase of the podcast. The good hiatus. We go into uh, hibernation. Yeah. Now, I have something else in the works, so I'll talk about that maybe next episode, but you haven't heard the last of me. Yeah, so get us on Facebook, get us on Twitter. Until next time, up the irons and down.